You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. I Welcome to Celtic Stuff Live on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of <laughs> coverage for the for Boston sports, especially your Boston Celtics. I don't know how I lost the script, John, but everybody's out of sorts. Nobody's on point, and uh, apparently it's bleeding out over to my – dude, I've been saying that for eight years. That is the first time I have not nailed the intro script, so that just tells you how unright the universe is right now. Yeah, things are things are screwy, man. Things are really screwy. It's it's a it's a weird time. The Celtics aren't playing well. Um, you know, I think that there's a lot to a lot to debate and discuss. And you know, there's at least two more games to happen in the Garden, and you know, we'll see what happens. But it's not looking good to go beyond this weekend. I think for uh, Celtics fans, I think we may be on the other side of. Heading into June without without any games in June this uh, this year, I think that's probably a, a fairly safe bet. Yeah, I mean, every once in a while you see a team get obliterated in the first two games, and then they come back and counter punch, and all of a sudden everything changes, right, Toronto? <clears throat> and mm-hmm. uh, and and so you know. But I really have no belief that that's the case here. Uh, and we, di- I just saw, you know, Kemba Walker is questionable uh, with a bone bruise in his, I think it was his left knee, but I actually don't remember which knee, but a bone bruise for game three. Uh, the officials haven't been kind to him while they've been extremely <laughs> kind to Kevin Durant, who apparently Your could buddy. basically do everything but a DDT. I know this is such a bad – I, I told you before we came into this series <laughs> that this was just going to be – Really bad for me. You know, I don't even know what our listenership looks like anymore, um, you know, but this is this is challenging. I mean, I already had – you didn't have nearly as much disdain for – you didn't really have any disdain for Kevin Durant, but I was hot on its trails. And then we talked at the beginning of the season. It's like, oh, great, they're together, you know, and I'm like, yeah, it's perfect match made in hell. And then uh, it turns out it's my own personal hell, and and now I got to watch this. And you know, just being forthcoming, I got home super late on Tuesday, was not in a great mood. Sat down, turned the game on, looked like they were going to be competitive for about five seconds. Joe goes bananas. I'm like, all right, let's just skip forward to live. I can't, I can't watch this. So let's just see if they pull it together. I'll watch the end of the game. I flip forward to live. It's 30 points, and I'm out. I didn't even. <laughs> I just went to bed, dude. They put me to bed. I couldn't get in a more negative mood. I was like, nope, I can't handle it. I'm going to bed. But um, but I didn't even see all the eye-poking stuff till the next day. And, uh, you know, the eye-poking thing, I think you and I talked about this before we got on air. I think it's pretty innocuous. I don't think that was intentional. I don't know how the officials can miss a forearm shiver, basically, to Tatum. I mean, it's so blatant. It's so blatant. It's it's a disgrace, and and I don't want to hear anybody say, oh, it's the playoffs, the physical contact's allowed. That's great, but then why is Kemba Walker in foul trouble in game one, you know, off a of ticky-tack crap? That's ludicrous. Yeah, 
I mean, look, I I thought the NBA was supposed to supposed to want uh, you know long series and more games. More games means more TV, and more TV is is good for the league. But <laughs> you look, you, you know, the way that you know a lot of those the first parts of you know the first game certainly, and um, you know I think parts of of the last game it was a little bizarre, and and that whole thing with Tatum. You know, it really, I think that's what probably got, you know, Cedric Maxwell's ire up in terms of wondering why he's, you know, he hasn't gotten into a, you know, kind of a, you know, shooting tussle, I guess. Uh, you know, in his time, there was a, you know, he, Cedric kind of called him out for that. I, I, you know, I have maybe a little bit of a different take. I'm not sure that I feel like that that's necessarily Tatum's role. I mean, I think eventually he could be that guy. I think the problem is, is he's the only there. There isn't anybody else. You know, we saw even in the in the second game that Fournier and 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 Tristan Thompson kind of stepping up and being like, no, 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 no. You know, like, and and I I appreciated that. I'm like, finally, someone's saying something. Because clearly the officials aren't protecting the, the Celtics players, and they're clearly not going to. So you've got to step up for yourself. Um, you know, I think that that I was glad to see that, but it's you know, is it too little, too late? Probably. I, I just I was just generally, and anyone who's followed me on Twitter over the last two days knows, I was pretty disappointed with the Celtics' effort. I don't think that they gave top effort. I think their communication sucked, uh, particularly in that first half, and I think that they. It was a lot of the stuff we've seen all year long, you know, just constantly inconsistent behavior, inconsistent defense of 71 points and a half, 109 points in three quarters. I know that the Nets are talented, but they're not even playing that hard and they're getting 100 almost 110 points in 36 minutes. That's insane. Yeah. You know what the real issue is, too, though? It's, you know. Their offense is loaded, right? So sure. 110 points not trying hard is how it should look when you have that much offense. Um, it, it it's about how hard is the defense? Like, yes. is the de- is the defense defeated, or are they going to keep digging? But then there's the other side of the coin, and it happened in game one, and I actually think they could have stole game one. And the frustrating part was the entire second half, they just completely went away from trying to get in the middle, trying to break it down a little bit. Was Like all of a sudden, it was that crappy brand of offensive basketball from earlier in the year that they displayed when they were tired. And, I, and, and it's the only explanation that fits both problems to me. I think they're just worn out, you know, and you look at somebody like Fournier, like you just said, scrapping it, you know, getting what, what that's because he just got here and he had fresh legs and he's on a better team in the postseason and he's inspired for a contract. There's a reason why, even though he's not as good defensively, that he's got the extra level of energy. And I think the rest of them are pretty much locked up on deals don't have anything to fight for, went late in the year last season, you know, to finish up, dealt with COVID, Brown's out. They're just beat, dude. They're already beat. They were beat before they came into this series. They were whipped. And, you know, I absolutely agree with you that there's an effort issue. And and the only explanation is that they're just tired. They're just flat out broke down. And, and I I hear that. And I and I think it's it's reasonable to to say yeah that's that's possible. It doesn't you know? excuse it in the postseason because they're professionals. And, I they, get and that. they had look they had how many days off after the after the after the uh, Wizards game? How many days off did they have after Game One? You know I I, I understand I understand what you're saying and and it it's a cumulative tired. I mean it's it's a it's a tired that goes back to FIBA ball. You know, two years ago almost. You know, they they were those the bulk of this team has been playing basketball apart from when you know COVID shut the league down for three months. This team has been playing consistently almost around the clock for two years. So I, I get that, but to to suggest that um, you know Evan Fournier or Tristan Thompson. Or um, let's talk about the rookies. Let's talk about, you know, Grant Williams. Let's talk about Romeo Langford. Um, Those guys have not played that time. 
you know, uh, and and there's just there's just no pop. The the most energy we saw of that game game two was the last five minutes, and I'm glad to see that. But why are we waiting to the last five? Why is that group the the group that's showing energy? I mean, it if that's true, then when those guys are in in the second quarter, in some of those guys were in the second quarter. I'm talking about Romeo. I'm talking about Neesmith. Then you need to show that energy. That I mean, I I just think to me, if we want to talk about the the, the issues with the bottom of the roster, it's that those guys haven't been pushed to try to use those opportunities like Neesmith has. And I'm not, I think, you know, he's, he hasn't had a, a good, good series so far necessarily, but, but he came in and, and gave super, super effort, you know, and I don't, I don't see that in Romeo. I don't see that in Grant. I don't see those guys pushing to take that opportunity. They're, they're coasting into it. And this team can't afford that. They, it's what the team desperately needs. Anyone who's watched this team can see they need effort and energy, and yet none of them are providing it. It's it's just sad to watch, you know. And I and I I I want to excuse it. I really do. I really want to excuse it for COVID reasons and whatever else. But they're the team that gave up. Like they went. I mean, how many games against really bad teams did they give up? I mean. OKC wins one game either last 22 and then lose to the Celtics by a lot. You know, what does that say? What does it say about, you know, your desire to, to, to compete? You know, if you're going to lay down, lay down against the Wizards and get out of the season. I, I just don't understand them. I, and I don't know. I'm hoping health and, and, and rest fixes it. You know, I just two out of the last three years to see this sort of result is, is dispiriting to me. You know, you can say Kyrie shut down the other team, but I'm frustrated that now you're, you know, you're skipped in between. They're kind of back into the woe is me. Let's shut down and, 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 and suck thing. And I just, I think that that's really, really um, poor. That's all. <laughs> that's all. But isn't it really just a talent issue? You son of a bitch. <laughs> it's not a talent issue. It is not a talent issue. Oh, this team has talent. See, dude. You, you teed me up for that. Look, I didn't tee you up. I literally poked the bear. You did. <laughs> I poked the bear. They were in the conference finals a year ago or whatever, nine months ago. And what now we're saying we don't have enough talent? Like, what are we talking about? Look, I'm not saying that they – yeah, losing Jalen Brown sucks. It's a problem. I mean, you're not going to beat, you know, even the Nets or, or or the Heat. You know, anybody who's a good team, you're not going to beat them without Jalen. I, I, I completely agree with that. But not compete? Not even look like an NBA team out there? Like, that's, that's what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about saying, oh, well, if it's a five-point game and, you know, it's a 3-2 series lead. I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking about looking like you deserve to share the court with those guys. That's what that team didn't look like. The, the team in game two, after that, you know, whatever, 11-12 or whatever was start, they shut down. Like, gave up. Like, they might as well have stopped the game and gone home. It was I, – I just – I couldn't believe it. I, I don't know. I, I, yes, you poked the bear. I, I just – I think this team has talent. I don't think they know how to use their talent because they're young. And I don't think they have enough veterans around that talent to fill the gaps until that talent figures out how to play. I don't think they have enough veterans around their top-tier talent to kick them in the ass when they need it but also support them when they need it. And I think that's a failing of the team, but it doesn't matter. Like this is the team; they're good enough to to like play NBA basketball. To compete. If Jason Tatum's a top nobody 10 player, said they had top to fifteen player, yeah. he yeah. should be good enough on his own to get to get something going. But he's got you know Kemba. I don't know what Kemba's doing the last two games. You know, I, it's just yes, I know he's in foul trouble, but like it's. You poked the bear. <laughs> you poked the bear. Well, I'm just saying, I knew it was going to get ugly uh, because, sure. I mean, yeah. I think the thing that's killing me, you know, is 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 look who it's being 
Like, why can't they be motivated to stick it to Kyrie? Why can't they? And I get it. There's the Duke connection. Yeah. No, they like him. I mean, I think Tatum likes him. I think they're. Yeah, Tatum definitely likes him. Guys, you know, I think, you know, everyone's hugged and, you know, they they act like they like the guy. True or not, I don't know. I keep hearing people tell me, oh, they really didn't like him. I don't know. I, I don't know if this is for show or what it is, but it's they they don't have that animosity that the fans do. They don't view it that way. And I don't understand it, but that's I, I can put that aside. But like you're in the NBA playoffs, guys like Grant Williams, Romeo Langford, you know, Tremont Waters. Carson Edwards, they're playing for their NBA lives right now, and they're not showing anything. They're not they're not going out there and doing anything other than taking up space, and that's not good enough. Like that's so you want to say that they're not. It's not that they're not good. I don't agree with people who say Grant Williams isn't good. Grant Williams is good. Grant Williams can do things. Grant Williams has been in a, the wrong spot for a, too far too much in his NBA career. And I think that Brad and Brad Stevens has not used him to his best ability for in large part. Having him as a power forward in a double big lineup doesn't work. Put him at the five. See what happens. Wait, hold but, up. Hold up. Do it. A double big lineup doesn't work. <laughs> it doesn't matter if it's Grant doesn't. Williams or who it is. So true. That's why we traded Tice. It doesn't work in today's Tice. NBA. Friggin' stop it. I know. People that's lamenting probably, the Tice trade. I don't – yeah, that's ah. probably the reason. That's probably one of the biggest reasons Brad deserves some criticism. And there was a time when it was Tice and and um, oh my lord, this is how much this team has demotivated me. Um, there was a time where they just didn't have any wings healthy, right? Sure. So they had to put Tristan Thompson, there it is, and Daniel Tice out side by side. And we said, hey, this is disjointed, and it makes sense. The issue is that Danny went out and fixed that problem, right? And then we still saw some double big lineups along the way. And I just don't I don't I mean I get it it wasn't in the starting lineup, but it's it's a nightmare. The double big lineup doesn't work. I'd rather I'd rather you go small and and just, you know, run it. But uh yeah, the but the problem was small was like starting Pritchard and smart and Tremont Waters or something, you know, it was or, or, or Teague, you know, it was. Well, I mean, how long did it take for Neesmith to get out there, though? You well, know, he's been healthy all season. You've been calling for that. Neesmith's a breath of freaking fresh air. I am very confident that he's going to end up panning out as a draft pick. You know, I do too. Langford's got the injury thing, so it's really hard to know, but he might have just missed his window, especially. But Neesmith's got lots of hustle. And he's shown that he's got a pair of balls the way he's knocking down some clutch shots. And there's finally falling, like a tough start, like every rookie. They're over, they're not overthinking it. They're trying to get it. And, and then eventually they start to get comfortable because mm-hmm. it throws your shot off when you're not in a rhythm. That's what right. rhythm shooters do. They shoot in a rhythm. And when they don't know the system and they're not sure if they're in the right spot or they're where they're supposed to be or, you know, they get pounded coming over a screen. I mean, coming no around the screen, no, no practices, practices. Yep. you know. So what he's been able to put together at the tail end of this season and even into the postseason for two games you know, is really encouraging, really, really encouraging. It is. And, and, and so that, you know, just back to that whole topic, you know, they had the wings. Were those wings necessarily the same talent level as the two bigs that we might have been playing side by side? No, but the fit is wrong. So, so yeah. do the right well, thing. But, but I also think, I think it was the timing too. It was, you know, we didn't have any wings and then Romeo came back from COVID and Neesmith started getting, you know, started, you know, gaining some some momentum and some confidence, and we got Fournier. So we went from no bigs to three bigs like like overnight. And I think that that's what that's when I thought, okay, now we're starting to get a, a bit of a groove here going, you know. And then of course Fournier got COVID, and Romeo kind of kind of fell by the wayside, and you know, I think for my sanity. For my sanity, I mean, I, I want to turn this into looking at like where we go a little bit because oh, I don't. Oh, you think mean I next could, season? I don't. We gotta think I kill the whole off season with this conversation. 
I, I know, but I, I don't know that I can talk about Game 3 because I'm just so, like, <laughs> frustrated. How about this? But How about I'll this? do my best. <laughs> How about this? Is there any chance that they get a game in this series at this point or not? Because, again, so. just like I said, yeah, see, I don't think so either. I don't think so. But it happens all the time. I, and I'll tell you what. Here's here's just to put that whole conversation you know, you can we can wrap it up in a bow and leave it behind because you're you're getting killed on Twitter. Killed. Uh, Absolutely killed. destroyed. Dunked on Twitter is yeah yeah. yeah. There's no room for opposing opinions, and we can't have a conversation about it. We must kill, get the blood. Well, you know me, I'm pretty it's, unreasonable, and I won't listen to people. So. The whole society is yeah. just keyed up for this, and the media, like I'm just I'm done. Yeah. Media. Speaking we of had it, everyone, we had like a 15 minute chat about this before. <laughs> so let's spare you. We got it out of our system. You spent the worst parts so of this. You wouldn't have to live with me. Uh, you're welcome, everybody. You're yeah, welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> anyway, sorry. But here's the deal. We're if they if they up. lose every single game, it's going to be hard to argue the effort factor with you, right? Um, or unless you know, oh, it's talent. <laughs> right. A sweep is going to be hard to argue with unless, you know, like Kemba winds up not being able to play or Tatum can't play. I mean, we know they're lean, but the truth is every decent team that has decent talent, and this team does, you can say the talent difference, but every single one of them punches back. You know, this this is a this is a 2-7 series, but it's not two seven talent. It's it's two five two four talent. You know the Celtics are just they're down a man and they are tired from the season. But the if they want to debunk your effort factor, then they're going to come back and and punch them in the mouth and get one. And they 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 should get the benefit of some officiating because they're now back at home. And I'm interested to see how. Having some fans in the garden changes things because it's been a long time, and I think a young team especially thrives off of that, off of that energy, I and they've been certainly missing it. And I think it yeah. could X factor in this scenario. You could see a fifty point. I mean, honestly, why isn't Tatum scoring fifty points a game in games one and two again? Well, obviously with the eye poke, he couldn't, but he wasn't playing well. But Tatum should be absolutely going off against this team based on the fact that they're a suck-ass defensive team. You know, they're not good. And, and I realize that not. Durant's, you know, yeah. long enough to disrupt, but there's really just no reason with a decent amount of ball movement on offense that they can't get him open looks. The issue is that the offense is one-dimensional. But Tatum ought to be able to score 50 points a game against this team in the postseason, really, uh, other than, you know, kill his legs. But it, I'd be surprised if he doesn't will them to a victory in one of the next two games at home in front of the crowd, knowing that people haven't really watched them play in, you know, what, a year and a half? I mean, well, I, sir, I went to yeah. one of the very last games in February. Not very last, but one of the very last home games. You know, maybe there, there might have been – it might have been the third or fourth last home game. I can't remember, but it was that Houston Rockets game in February. You know, and for the, and and until, you know, uh, my parents came to visit in February over a year later. I hadn't seen them since that exact game in person. Um, so I I got to think that that's going to have that there is a little bit of an X factor. Um, but based on the way the first two games went and everything else you just said, it surely seems like you know we're headed towards a sweep. Yeah, I I mean I would love to say that they can easily kind of look every NBA team people think the NBA teams like the, the the talent level is just wildly different between the best and the worst and it actually really isn't I mean it, it really isn't I mean you what the difference usually is is mentality and focus and those are the types of things that keep teams together and the difference between winning teams and not it's usually not the, the best players and the worst players on the roster fundamentally usually don't have much of a difference in terms of skill level, but they have an incredible difference in terms of their, their mindset. And that's 
Talk to anybody who's played in the league. Talk to anybody who knows how it works. This isn't just me saying this. This is true. I mean, this is that's what they say. It's that yeah, there's amazing things that Kevin Durant can do because he's seven foot one and and all that. But get but look at what Rob Williams can do in pregame, just warming up, shooting the ball. It's insane. But for whatever reason. That's where he's at in terms of his his game, in terms of what he can provide. And so I, I just – I never – do I think – like you said, it's a 2-5, two, 2-4 two, thing with a team that's tired and, and beat down after after a long run that they've been on. Um, but I, I'm just so – I'm just so down about their ability to take what normally happens to a normal NBA team – and respond to it, you know, with any sort of accuracy. You know, all season long when they've been in a tough spot, they have not taken that and stepped up. They've stepped back. I mean, let's remember the the greatest game probably all season is probably Tatum's game against San Antonio. And the only reason it was great not only was yes, he had a sixty point game, but it took a, a, a sixty point game to pull the team's head out of its ass when they were down thirty points. To a team that was like a 10 seed in the West. So, like, I want to, like, give credit to, like, yeah, it's great. There are good things. Yeah, Jason Tatum is supremely talented. Yes, he can do a lot. Yes, he's great. But as a team concept, I'm not – this isn't just saying Jason Tatum sucks. Like, we are not spending enough time talking about how these teams play together, what they do together. We're spending all our time on Twitter and and, and our – in our discourse is like, well, look at the numbers and look at what he's doing. And he's 27, six and four and whatever. Like, that's great. But we're also a a seven seed and, and below 500, like, or 500 team. Like, is that, is that good enough? I I don't think so. I think with this talent level, that's an underachievement. Um, In spite of, on top of COVID issues, like, yeah, COVID happened, but they're playing. You're getting paid. You're part of like this is this is the thing. This is what we do. We play basketball. We what was it? Was it uh, Herman Edwards who said you play to win the game? Like that's why you play. It's not you don't play to get numbers. You play to win. <laughs> I don't. I just it's the discourse about around this team is bizarre, and I just don't understand it. It's I'm all about connective teams and the 08 team and the 86 team and those teams were connected, you know, and and we got Gary Washburn upset because we're still talking about the 2008 team. Well, we like teams that play together, and that's why people talk about that team. They were special. They were special for a reason. They were one of the great all-time single-season teams, and that's that's worth celebrating. And Frankly, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get off my lawn after after my soapbox and, and talking about getting off my lawn here in a second to just say this league needs that type of attitude. It needs Ubuntu to an unbelievable degree because we don't see enough of that um, of of collective of team team first. We saw it last year on this team. They were they were locked in. They were great. So. Will we have it? Hell, I have it in 22. I hope to hell so, because another year like this, and and I'm wow, I don't know what to do. Nah, I think it'll all be different next year, to be honest with you. Like that, that's why I've been saying, like it's just time to wipe the slate clean. Speaking of wiping the slate clean, what kind of weird assness is the main Celtics still having a lobster <laughs> as a mascot? You know, like give him a leprechaun in red then, or something. I don't know, or. But it, dude, it's weird. It's disjointed. I mean, I'm fine with the main Celtics. I don't. I'm not tied to the red claws. I'm just saying. Then why is your logo and your mascot still a red claw? Like, what sense does that make? Yeah, it's a little weird. Like, main Celtics. Like, what does that have to do with lobsters? Like, there are nothing. I mean, there's no connection. I'll tell you. No, there is a connection. Oh. Having an Irish background myself. Every time I'm in the sun, I look like a lobster. (laughs) That's about as close as you're going to get, dude. Um, Brutal. Yes. 
But uh, but remember, Real. lobsters alive or green, lobsters dead or red. So I I, I get the green lobster thing. Uh, I don't. But the Celtics part of it is like that's what I'm not really seeing. Um, so I, I'm not really sure. I mean, why would you still have a lobster? Period. Right. That's that's the fundamental issue. Right. Is is that that they don't seem to understand that. You know, change the change it to the Celtics, change it to like a main version of Leprechaun, you know, or change it. You know, he's a lobsterman now. How do you how do you turn the yeah? I was just gonna say, how do you turn the Celtic into, you know, like some main version of it? It it would look the same. Take away the cane, have him leaning on a lobster trap, okay? You know. Uh, you know, instead of, instead of he's spinning the ball, he's got a lobster that he's, he's got on his finger, you know, um, yeah, there's a way to get there. It's not, it's not too hard. I think, you know, I, I think they could have done it, but why it, does it have to be main themed? I'm from Maine and I'm saying this. It doesn't. Why, it why doesn't. can't it just be the main Celtics and there's a leprechaun? I mean, there's. You know, there's plenty of Irish people in Maine. It's not like all of a sudden you're like, oh, no, we're forcing our heritage on you or some weirdness. I, I mean, I just don't even <laughs> I just don't even understand what the rationale is sure. to not just have a leprechaun, you know, or maybe yeah. maybe there's a trademark issue or something because they've already got a leprechaun, you know, lucky uh, for the regular Celtics. And so they don't want it to cross over too much. And, you know, but then then it's like, why change it to the Celtics, dude? If you if yeah. if they're part of the organization and you're giving them the Celtics, then you know give them a junior leprechaun. I mean, I don't know how short that dude is, but I'm just saying, you know, like, like you know, just take the take Lucky and you know create a younger brother. Yeah. I, you know, it's not that. I mean, I I think I, I suspect they're going to change it. I suspect it will. Oh, you think they're just transitioning so that this is more of a marketing issue? I think so. I just, I, I mean, it's it's kind of weird. You think you change everything when you when you change it first, but I, I I'm glad that that they changed it though in a way because hopefully that means they're going to keep the team up here. Like that that's to me that's why that's my biggest thing is I don't want the team to move. I'm, I like yeah, it. Yeah, it's and sweet. Like it's it's a great great thing. Um, it's a great situation. I mean, we go down and watch and, and all kinds of, you know, all the kids, even kids don't play ball. Like it kind of gets them excited about basketball by going. And it's a great thing for basketball in the state of Maine. So, um, selfishly, I, I, I like that. Hey, um, I'm not trying to get rid of basketball. I agree. Lock it in. I'm fine with it. I, like I said, fine with the name change. Yeah. You know, just like rip it's off weird, the band aid, dude. Everybody is just such a. I'm not trying to criticize the Celtics organization like too heavily on this. No, no, I'm just saying everybody's just like a bunch of babies with the transition. And I mean this more like you see it all the time in marketing. It's like risk averse. Like, oh, you know, if if we if we do something too quickly with the brand, you know what I mean? We're going to lose revenue. I'm sorry, but this is just not one of those places. <laughs> you oh, know, I agree with that. You're yeah. not going to lose revenue for you know a, a, a NBGL league, you know G League. You know you're not going to lose revenue no. because you change the name from the lesser known Red Claws moniker to the more well known Celtics. You know, yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's, it's ludicrous, dude. But people do it all the time. Yeah, you know, I got to think totally it's political. And, you know, I mean, and, and uh, you know, I don't know if. I'm sure John Jennings is having been a former staffer with the Celtics and the man who brought the Red Claws to Maine and who is now, is he the mayor or the? He's a city manager of Portland. City manager of Portland. You know, I got to think that, you know, I don't think he would get in the way of doing like a full name change if they just wanted to call it the Maine Celtics. But I'm only supposing here. We haven't talked to John in 15 years, you know. Right. Right. But but just saying like, you know, that's the only I, that's the only thing I can think of other than marketing is they they just wanted, you know, something to keep that main identity, you know, politically speaking, because, that's mm-hmm. you know, there's only it's brand management and politics. That's it. Otherwise, you rip the bandaid off and, you know, there's a junior lucky. Yeah, yeah. 
I, I yeah. I, Can well, you, you think know, of any they, other reason? Well, the, I don't know if there are other teams. I think that there are distinctive – I could be wrong about this, but I think that almost every team in the league that has a G League team has a distinction – you know, there's a little bit of a difference between. No, you're right. They don't use the same name. They yeah. use the same color scheme. Absolutely. Like it's, the, it's the Delaware 86ers, right? And, and, it's, and again, you know, whatever. We, which is why Maine Red Claws was fine. But once right. you go Celtics, right. hoorah, go in. Go in, right? Leverage go, that brand. Right. What the hell are you thinking? Yeah. Yeah, maybe maybe weird. the signs point more to political. Again, I mentioned John's name, but I definitely don't want to be at all insinuating that I'm, you know, pinning this on him or anything. No, else. no, he has nothing to do. He's he's yeah. out. He's yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I know, I know, he's out of that. But you know, but he, you know, his prominent position in Portland, right, and has connections to the team. You know, I'm I'm sure that. I'm sure somewhere along the line they asked him for his advice or his thoughts. There's no way he got left out of that. <laughs> I don't know. Well, when the team bought that, when they took over, I, I'm not sure how much how much is left over of the old guard that brought the team there. Not as um, not as advice yeah. in terms of you, you know would you, would you give your blessing, but more yeah. like what you know you're now you know, an ingrained main resident, what do you think the response will be to this? You know, that's my point. I'm still sure. Away. Yeah, I'm sure they got it. <laughs> so he's still from away. That's right. He's Indiana, right? Isn't that where he's from? Isn't that, isn't that where he yeah. grew up? Yeah. Yeah. I was pretty yeah. sure. I just had to throw him like from John away apart. Because, oh, yeah, because he's you not know, really because I know what you're know. saying. I do know. Us Mainers get it, you know. It's I've been gone for over ten years. I think you guys have disenfranchised me. Not, yeah, you're from away now too, I think. Right. <laughs> no, but uh, no, I it. Are but people to go still back wearing to, masks everywhere up there if they've been vaccinated? Uh, no. So they've followed the CDC stuff. So it's it's pretty much you know. See, our our governor has yeah. not, which is ironic, honestly, to some degree. Hmm. He ha- like he's saying once we're 70 percent vaccinated, they'll lift that. But everybody is living the CDC requirement down here. OK. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's kind of where it's where it's set up. I mean, basically, uh, there is, uh, you know, people, you know, you go in stores and some stores still have a mask mandate. Most don't. Most are saying if you're vaccinated, you know, go nuts. Um so interesting. Yeah, yeah. I always want what the culture is like. It's yeah. I mean, you know, th- there's, there's high rates of vaccination up here too. So, um, you know, we're like, I think we're over 70% as adults. And so it's, it's, it's boom. And I think we're number one or close to it in terms of vaccination rate. So it's a little bit easier to get away with doing that up here. Um, but that, other places haven't had that same success and they're doing it anyway. So who the hell knows? Yeah. All right. Well, it's a little late in the uh, it's a little late in the game for this, but I'm gonna I'm gonna do it anyway. BetOnline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season, it's in full swing, and you can track all the action at BetOnline. Get the latest news, odds, info, and action on all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC, MMA action. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, odds, and action. It's the best way to place your bets. And it's free to sign up. Before the next pitch, head on over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and take advantage of the 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use that promo code CLNS50. That's CLNS50 to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. I like it. For the I like action. It. I like it. The action. It's happening. It's all happening. Right action. Now. action. Dude, it was so action. funny. Like, I'm doing the read, and all of a sudden, I was like, I think I've said action a couple of times. So then I just started adding it everywhere, because there's a lot of action. <laughs> a lot of action going on. Hey, so before we wrap, um, 
let's take it let's, before we before we wrap on an ad. Yeah, you know. <laughs> totally. Got to talk about something. Well, we've gone like we've gone like forty minutes, and then we're gonna do the ad. So you know, right. I mean, I think it qualifies as a mid-roll placement of an advertisement. It's a mid-roll. Right. As long as we talk right. about something else for a couple of right. minutes. Right. So exactly. what what. What juicy topic could we explode into another 40 minutes? Well, usually this time of year, we have the NBA draft lottery. Yeah. And usually we, we turn into, you know, draft mode, um, you know. And, and I got to be honest, I'm not going to go into full-blown what do we do with the, with the team. Um, but the Celtics are going to have the 16th pick. Uh, we know that now. And um, I wish that they had just gone ahead and. <laughs> had the 14th pick and, and yeah. got a chance to play in the lottery, but or she's in the 13th pick, but you know that's just what it's going to be. So there'll be three players taken before them, and and potentially even more that they could have, you know, jumped ahead of the line. But alas, here we are. Um, my question to you: If you had to pick a, a rookie, you know, a rookie to come in, I'm not talking about a player, but a, but an archetype of what type of player. You'd want a rookie to be coming into this team. What type of player would that be? Again, a rookie. I'm not talking about somebody who's going to come in and like probably play from the beginning. But you're like, just saying, what do I think this team needs for the future? Well, in a way, but yeah, yeah. Let's start there. I think that's a simpler way to ask the question. Um, I, I honestly, I think what they need is a rangy power forward. But I can also make an argument for a guard, especially knowing, like, over time, you know, like a scoring guard to complement, you know, Brown and, and Tatum and, you know, once Kemba's gone. Um, but, you know, a rangy power forward would probably work. If I just feel like on the interior, we've got the defense covered in the future for Robert, but I'm also a little concerned about whether or not He's ever going to have a season where he actually is healthy the entire way through. And, you know, he, I mean, he spent much of his time on a limits restriction, and then when he plays, it's awesome. But I'm just not sure that him being fully healthy for you know for every season is really in the cards for him or not. I'm, I'm just not sure. And so, if you went on the big side of things, um, just need to be somebody who's rangy. It would need to be somebody who can spread the floor, can shoot from outside, and so you still have the defensive center gap. But there's a big part of me that would kind of want them to be able to, you know, complement Rob in a way that also would allow them to move to the five in and in not really a small ball lineup, but maybe a less defensive-oriented lineup when Rob's out, right? And then you just manage Rob for the postseason because it's so clear that this guy can impact the game for mm. sure, for yeah. sure. So we need to be able to win games during the regular season, you know, and uh, and I realize that Tatum often plays that four position, but I still I still would love to see more of a Jalen at the two and Tatum at the three. I really would. And I, and I just think, you know, if you got a four and you could slide those two down, and I've always been hooked on that. Um, yes, but, you have. I have, but if, but if, you know, if the, if the plan, regardless of what I want is for Tatum to play the four, you know, and Jalen to tandem with somebody at, at the three and the two type of deal, you know, um, knowing that smart could be your defensive two, then I actually would love to see a point guard come in, you know, and I, and I love Peyton Pritchard and who knows, you know, I might be discounting his upside potential, but it would it would be awesome to get another decently sized scoring guard. Honestly, I gotta go look at the draft. I feel like I feel like there's a couple of like centers in there, but really it's still gonna be guard and wing depth mostly, right? I I you know I think that there's a lot of guys that are kind of in that you know middle of the lottery. I mean middle of the draft area that are you know could hit on a couple of different things that you're talking about. I, I, you know, cause like you, I mean, that's, 
I've kind of hit all of those different spots in my kind of thoughts in terms of like, okay, what does this team need long term? Like, you know, they've got they've got a lot of wings. They've got, you know, let's assume that, you know, they're. Romeo has shown, I think, perhaps that he can do a little bit more, though this year has been kind of a washout for him. You know, Neesmith, obviously, we know that, um, you know, Pritchard. I mean, I, I think that there's a, you know, there's, yeah, there's and something they could there. Find a way to keep Fournier right? if they move some things around, but the things sure. that they would have to move around would require them to, to bring in guard depth. So. Well, right. That's, that's another piece. But like, so like, I guess what I'm, what I'm trying to get at is like, and that's why I kind of asked it this way is like, I think that you're, you're taking somebody at a position that you're going to need long term, but probably isn't going to immediately probably have to play right away because you have a lot of, a lot of players, you know, even if you're playing Tatum at four, um, you know what I mean? It's because, well, you know, this guy's not ready yet or whatever. You know what I mean? So I, that's, that's why I'm like, okay, so what's the most important thing? And I, I think I also would start with power forward. I would start there because I think their inability to find somebody who can play with size next to Tatum and next to Brown, um, help yeah. rebound a bit defensively. Uh, I think that that's a, in that John Collins a, mode, right? Like, or mold. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, could slide over to the five maybe at times, but you know, if you wanted to go super small and, and maybe, you know, play Neesmith and Brown and Tatum and this guy and Pritchard or whatever, you know? Um, so yeah, part of me kind of goes there. They, they've taken a lot of guards in the past few years. Um, and you know, I think Pritchard worked out. Rozier obviously worked out. You know, I think a big, bigger player. I think they're th- this team needs to get bigger. Um, like we were talking about earlier. I mean, they just they need bigger players, and some of that is they need bigger players to play game one in the twenty two season. But they, I think, they also need bigger players over the long term. You know, and so you know, with Rob being a question mark, I think they need to add guys. You know, in the front court who can really either play four and five. So that's where I'm starting. And then, you know, I think you're right. I think a, a, a guard, because... Why not a tall guard like this Josh Giddy, you know, this Ben Simmonsy, <laughs> you know, pick-and-roll playmaker, like a tall guard. I'm sick of being undersized, dude. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, I, I do think that having, like, that kind of quick spurt guard to score is helpful, but, you know, in terms of style of play, like, I'm trying to, like, have a break between... They need to add veterans who can who can support kind of the right style of play they want to you know use. It's probably not going to be a rookie who's going to come in to be able to do that. You know what I mean? There's not going to be a long uh, or no, a no, no. That's you know yeah, what I that's mean? why you're saying the draft pick should be a long play, right? Per se, and it will it probably will be at that point in the draft. You know, if you're not yes. in the top, you know, five or six picks it gets pretty unlikely you're going to be an impact player. It's a development player who you hope, you know, gets it quick enough, especially with a, a fairly normal off season and training camp and right. some practices that they may be able to come in and play some spot minutes. We're going to get, you know, full games next year. It's going to be all 82. So the, the, if you, if you draft somebody who has the ability to do what Neesmith did, you'll probably get a lot more year one value. Like if Neesmith was right. drafted next year, totally. you'd get more year one value out of it. And and honestly, what you got out of Neesmith this year would be acceptable next year for a draft pick at 16, in my opinion. Just somebody who can come in, provide some energy, learn, show improvement, and that is going to move into a role. But I'll tell you, if you buy, if, if we get a power forward, there's more room in the roster as long as they space the floor. If you get a power forward who can space the floor, there's room in that lineup for them to play sooner than if you draft a guard, even if they're a point guard. And so that has to weigh into it to some degree, I would think. But I, you know, I think that like the shooting thing, I've seen so many of these guys that come in that can't shoot. And I know what you're saying because no, they need the shooting. style is they need shooting. That they need makes shooting. Smith so smart. Yeah, but I, what I'm saying is, it's like 
I don't think you can rely on shooting out of out of any rookie because I just I feel like that all these rookies come in and, and it's it's a crapshoot. Even if they come off of a great you know shooting pedigree, there's still a lot <laughs> I think usually that has to be uh, accomplished to get through that. I I would love to see the Celtics. I think you're right. I think it's a big. It's it's somebody who maybe. You know, helps Rob and and what about like Kai Jones? And then you got a little bit of shooting, but there are he's you know, and he's also a Longhorn, ironically. Um, but he might he might compliment, and I'm not sure you're going to necessarily roll them four five side by side. But but if you did, that would be a double big lineup that wouldn't necessarily feel as disjointed as the ones this year. Yeah. I, I'd, I'd also say, and, and and this might be putting too much on the kid, but um, the Garuba kid, uh, Uzma Garuba from from Real Madrid, um, defensive. I mean, he's he. I think he's the type of guy that you can draft, and the idea is that well, he's your next Marcus Smart type. Um, you know, in terms of rangy defender. Maybe doesn't is is your non shooter on the floor or something can play some small ball five. I mean that might be where you're going with that. Um, I, I like the idea. How much of longer do you think the small ball five lasts? Right, all of this stuff is trendy. Yeah, but like I, you're right. But then I mean look at look at the fact that like you know DeAndre Jordan isn't playing. I mean you got you got Blake Griffin is is the is the yeah. five. You know yep. what I mean? Like the Lakers are kind of the the opposite, but like everybody else is really going small, small, small. So, but you need to have, I think you need to have size on the wing. Like that was part of the issue. I think the Celtics had against Philly earlier in the year is they were just too small. They were short one long wing, one you know six eight guy who could get in the way of a of a of a Simmons or a of a Tobias Harris or or a, or even even if I'm talking about Danny Green. You know what I mean? They they were lacking those types of guys, um, and I think they need one more, one more who can switch, who can you know defend. If you can get that guy to shoot the ball a little bit, I mean you're really onto something. Nah, um, I think he's got the wingspan, you know, as you said, to be able to do the small ball, you know, like center deal, just because you know, yeah, he's six eight, but but you know who else is. Not that tall <laughs> and alters everything because of a long wingspan, you know, our very own Rob Williams. You know? Yeah, true. He, right. I mean, he plays like a, like a seven footer. And then all yeah. of a sudden you look and you're like, I think they list him at six, nine, but there's a chance he's six, eight, but damn those legs. And I mean, damn, those arms are long. Yeah. Super long. And he's jump out of the gym athlete. But I, I honestly, I like, I'm not. I know the defense sucked this year, but I'm not. I I I want offense in the lineup. You know, I I feel like, you know, if you could almost look at it like you're bookending the lineup when Kemba's gone with Smart at guard and Rob at center, and you've got the defense that you need from one end to the other, and then in the middle, I want power packed offense, and I want the ability to switch. And I still want crazy. I want crazy uh, um, athleticism amongst all of them. And you know, smarts an athlete in one way. That Jalen Brown is a, an athlete in another way. As Tatum is an athlete in another way. Like they're not. Rob Williams is an athlete in a different. Like they're all uber athletic, all in their own way, right? Like Tatum is smooth, mm-hmm. right? Jalen is. A jump out of the gym athlete, but he's a little bit more like strength, you know, but, but so is smart, but smart is more like, you know, hustle strength and dive to the floor and instinctiveness athleticism. And then, you know, Rob is just a jump out of the gym athletic guy, but also very instinctive and his timing has really come together this year. And then, you know, so if you could get a power forward, that's why I kind of like Kai, if you get a power forward that can shoot and still space out the floor, then you don't get hurt by the fact that neither Rob nor Smart, I mean, Smart has his moments, but neither of them are really drawing a ton of attention on the perimeter. But then knowing that Rob can come out and do some high action to set things up 
and Marcus is a decent distributor, and it gives you a lot of different things that you can do on offense, even to just initiate the offense and move the ball. And so I, I think for me, it's not that I want to. It's not that I want to abandon defense, but but for me at that power forward position, I really want more offense because if they don't get attention off of friggin' Jason Tatum, we're gonna have more of this hero ball side stepping fade away especially for 82 games a year like he can't be the only he can't go to the rim night in and night out and carry the team offensively okay but all right so i i i know we really didn't want to go there but but just to to maybe make this point if they have two all-stars and kemba walker they should have enough offense right and they should that should be enough. If you take those three guys and let's say and you get Rob Williams. Yeah, but I'm planning right? for a world without Walker. Okay, and I'm so, saying that I want the offense at the power forward spot more than I want it at the point guard spot. So I you know, I think so there's question to me as to what Marcus Smart is. Um I know what he can be. I, I'm I'm incredibly you know um i'm high on what his potential is but i'm 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 disappointed in in what that's turned into this year there's been times he's been really great uh and times that he hasn't been really great and so that you know uh, yeah if smart is a distributor and an occasional hot cold you know three point shooter and can do all those things, then that's great, you know. Well, I'd even take Pritchard at that spot for the future then, even if you're, you know, arguing that, because I really think that the floor needs to get inverted, and I think it helps a ton having Rob be able to do that. Totally. You think totally it helps? Agree. Yeah, and, and – yep. That's why I'm going with offense at power forward because then it opens everything up when Rob's at the top of the key and the power forward comes out, right? Like that's not going to help the rebounding scenario, but it opens everything up for Tatum, especially if they can have a guard who's not focused on getting shots and scoring to focus on initiating the offense. I think that's one of the downsides right now is Tatum gets into ISO and Kemba's a little bit, not a little bit, Kemba's a defensive liability despite the fact that he does put a good, solid effort into drawing charges, leading the league. Like, he's done a lot of things right, but at the end of the day, he's a matchup issue that they have to hide. And and so offensively, you know, even with with the ball movement the way it is, I mean, they've taken the ball out of Kemba's hands a lot because yep. you don't really see him playmaking. So what I don't want to draft is a is another guard who's got to have the ball in their hands. I want the point guard to be a distributor and an initiator and I want the offense I want the offensive players, the 1 2 and the 3, and want them with the ability to invert so any and think about it, any one the of them two, can be four. Be, well, no no no, sorry, the first, second and third option playing 2 3 uh, 4. Uh, yep. You're right. Yeah, first, second and third option playing the 2 the 3 and the 4, all yeah. with the ability to drive to the rim in their own way, but all able to shoot from the outside and space it with Rob going in and out. I just yeah. think with that with that I I could take Peyton Pritchard and see him being extremely John Paxson like successful in that sure. offense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, I think that Yep, yeah. Right. Yep. No, that's it. That's, uh, I, mean, I was just gonna reiterate, yep. like I always do. Well, the issue the, the issue is that it's hard to get those guys, those three four types who who are scorers, because those are the guys that go top five. You know, everyone wants the scorer who has size to them. Like it's, you know, that's why Tatum and Brown. But see, that's why I like Kai because I'm I'm yeah, but he's not four four five. Yeah, but he's not a scorer. Like he's not. He's not going to go in and be a twenty-point guy. You know what I not mean? Day He's not, one. No, you don't but think he ever will. Well, I, what I'm saying is, is that you have to you have to project that to such a degree that, like, okay, that's you know, right now he's coming from more of the um, effort hustle points. You know, is kind of where he's getting. He has potential in terms of three-point shooting, but I don't think he's coming to it. Um, 
walking in as that type of guy. I think it's more of kind of Rob Light with a little bit more, um, you know, more distance, you know, shooting. I think that's kind of what I would say as opposed to. But he can shoot the three is my point. Right. Like, a, like well, yeah, maybe, you know, I, I think the potential there is what I would probably say. I, I wouldn't say he's like a Michael Porter Jr. type. He shot 38 percent from three this season. Yeah, but that's college three. You know, I, I get it. I get it's, it. I, I, all I'm saying is it's harder to project. It's harder to project to say one of your top three scorers would be someone you could get at 16, 17, 18, you know, in a normal draft. You know, like a PJ right. Washington. Here's the deal. That's I, a guy. That's yeah. the type of guy. But he went 12. You know what I mean? So that's where picking 16 instead of 13 really can, can make an impact. But anyway. So you think you, you so you don't like Kai Jones or you just think he's going to be gone? No, I I like him. I'm just saying I don't know that he fits. I don't know. I think you'd have to project pretty pretty optimistically from where a lot of people see him um, as that type of guy, you know, who's like basically your top three, a top three scorer type. You know, I don't know that he's there. I think that's part of the problem, right? Is that's why Tatum ends up at three and why Brown ends up at two, uh, you know, or excuse me, ends up at the four and Brown ends up at the two because you're more likely to find scorers who are six, five, six, four, six, three. You know what I mean? Like it's, <laughs> they get forced into it because it's easier to find guys who can score the ball that are a little bit smaller. You know what I mean? So that's how they get bumped up. But if they could find a guy who's who is that size, that six eight size or whatever, like what you're talking <laughs> about, I agree with you. That's I guess I guess idea. I guess they're destined to draft Franz Wagner then. Possibly. <laughs> Possibly. Right? I, I don't mean, think that's crazy. I mean <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I don't know if I'm there. That but... be, dude. His brother literally barely had a cup of coffee. Yes. Oh, you know what? We have to end on this. Uh huh. Were you – did you watch the game when Mo Wagner came back for the first time after yeah. they let him go? Yeah, against – Do yeah. you remember – do you remember when Mike Gorman said, yeah, you know, had just enough time for a cup of coffee here, and Scal was like, oh, that's funny, Mike, you know, like, oh, yeah, he really did. He was just here for a cup of coffee. Like, that isn't one of the – like, like it's yeah. a staple saying for like yeah. 40 years, and it was like Scal heard it for the very first time. And I think it's probably because he just hasn't, you know, maybe he just hasn't watched and listened to a lot of announcers, right? Like probably he watch he probably watches with it off. <laughs> he probably doesn't listen to anybody because he knows the game. I don't know. It was just I remember I, wow. I remember Mike saying that and laughing my ass off like it was the like Scal legit first time he ever heard that saying. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I, yeah. I, I think Mike said that at least five times a season. I mean, it's 82 games, it's, you know, yeah. and yeah. and when people move around in the league and it's trade season, like, I'm, and I'm not picking on Mike when I say that. I just, it's a very common phrase. <laughs> very common. It is. I've Al- heard it. Yeah, exactly. That was, that is weird. That is strange, isn't it? It's totally strange that he's never heard the phrase cup of coffee. Yeah. Just enough time for a cup of coffee. It's so weird. I I don't re- I don't recall that I remember it being a weird game and and Wagner going nuts and then yeah. it kind of kind of the, the sand shifted a little bit but um, I I we got to wrap dude we got to wrap but I I show. think that's a good a good introduction to our our draft talk which will you know kick off in earnest here uh, over the next couple months and dude I don't know how we're going to dig in and you know here we are again like it's all we got man it ain't going to get any prettier though is my point like first round early exit mm-hmm. oh dude but there's a I, lot to talk about this summer right i mean yeah smart versus kemba versus Here's the thing everybody's so bored with this team they're going to be so hungry for change and trades and blow yes. it up and blah 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 you know and and i'm just not there i'm like with the exception of i'm i'm cool with trading kemba but i'm also fine with not trading kemba but mm-hmm. um but I'm i, I too. i'm yeah. just ready for 
I just <laughs> dude, I've been so ready for normalcy as it is. It feels great to work out of the gym without a mask and breathe again while I'm working out. And I am ready for the NBA season to feel normal again as well. And it's just going to be nice. I, I literally am going to forget the past when next season starts with the exception of Kyrie and Durant. And I'm just going to enjoy watching everything fall back into a normal schedule, you know, normal setting, fans in the stands. And I think it's going to be different next year, no matter what moves are made or not made. And I'm not eager to make moves because of how this season went, you know, and I think it's a, it's a team thing. It's a healing thing. You know what? I, I guess we can talk about this in the off season, but I'm going to leave you with this, John. But I guess the thing is, is I just hope that there isn't damage being done the way that all of a sudden Terry Rozier didn't want to be here anymore when he would have been a perfect fit if he stayed and we wouldn't, and we'd still have a young team that's developing and got some, you know, got some, you know, chemistry and that's what Kyrie robbed from us. And we lost that. And I'm sure there's more people that, you know, are involved in the souring of Terry Rozier, but you know, nobody was higher on him than Danny. So how the hell do we lose him? And, and by all accounts and purposes, they were tight. So I don't get it. I I just hope that the same damage hasn't been done here. And that is why I prefer the veterans that are in town be on the downside of their careers looking to help a young team get where they need to go versus taking a prominent role in the offense. And that's my own, but, but if anybody's going to have that position, Kemba's the character guy to have it, which is why I don't really care if we trade him or not, because I know if we do trade him, the returns probably going to be pennies on his contributions, you know, if he stays healthy next year. So, all right, that's going to do it for this week's show. As a reminder, you can follow Celtic Stuff Live on Twitter at CSL underscore Tweet Live. You can follow John at CSL underscore Duke. Follow me at they CSL all do. underscore Duke. Well, they all, do. all do. You can unfollow Duke by going to at CSL underscore Duke and unfollow. Have you tracked that, by the way? Like, Do you know how many unfollows have, no. have come out of this? No, no. I, think I don't I even got, know. I think I picked up a few, actually. That's, but that's, See? See, that's what people don't get. They don't, it's still, you know, they still don't get it. Howard Stern got his name long, long time ago. (laughs) So many M&M, so many people media. And and it's like, the only difference is is you weren't doing it to drive attention. (laughs) You were actually earnestly hoping to be able to share an opinion and have a conversation. So there's that. Um, I gotta, I'm going to tell you, I, I literally have not looked Oh yeah, dude. I'm losing followers. I'm down to nine ninety three. Whoa! <laughs> wow. I think it's just inactivity. I think people clean yeah, up there. Be. I think they that just clean be. up there. You might have some bots time. too that were, you know. Oh, that's true. Stuff. I bet I got botted. Yeah. I'm under a thousand though. Ah. Wow. I'm just not on here anymore. It's a dying. If if it weren't, I would never come on here. I would never get on Twitter if it weren't for. Crazy Celtics Twitter. That's the only thing. That's the only thing holding me to Twitter. And the only time I open Twitter is when I'm watching a Celtics game, pretty, pretty much, or I'm getting ready to talk to you, yeah. you know, or I'm, or yeah. something's happening on the Celtics. That's the only, like literally. I'm only a Twitter user because of the Celtics. That's it. That's it. Mm-hmm. And I remember when you pulled me into it, I was like, I don't really want to deal with the character limits. Blah, blah, blah. And then it wound up being like basically my platform of choice for a long time. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, we'd appreciate a rating review and uh, have a heartfelt thank you to all of you for listening. <laughs> On behalf of the founder of CLNS Media, Nick Gelso, my co-host, John Duke, I'm Justin Poole. And thanks for listening to this week's episode of Celtic Stuff Live. Mm-hmm.